So several weeks ago, we began a short series on the topic of faith and looking at faith through different books of the New Testament. We began by looking at faith according to the Gospel of John, and then we turned our attention to faith according to the book of Romans, and today we're turning our attention to faith according to the book of 1 Corinthians, and I had thought about whether or not I should set the sermon aside and maybe just preach a sermon that specifically speaks to the situation that we're in with, with many of you being sick and in quarantine. You know, and there is a, a place for that. So we can take a particular topic and look at the Scriptures and look at various different passages of Scripture and then see how the Scriptures sort of illumine or enlighten us with regards to this particular topic. So it's preaching this topic, but with several passages in mind, but instead I thought that it might be best to continue with the topic at hand and looking at faith, and specifically we are turning our attention to the resurrection and the relationship between faith and the resurrection, but seeing how faith and the resurrection speaks into the situation that we're in and how, and sort of putting on this lens of the resurrection and how it might see our present situation we might see this situation perhaps in a different light. And so that's my aim this morning. I don't know if you've given a whole lot of thoughts in your Christian life to the topic of the resurrection, but the resurrection is absolutely essential for the Christian life. I mean, there is no gospel without the resurrection. Even when we look at our passage this morning, the Word of God tells us that without the resurrection of Christ, well, then we don't have a resurrection. Without the resurrection of Christ, then there is no preaching. Without the resurrection of Christ, there's no point to faith. And without the resurrection of Christ, then we would still be in our sins. That is how essential the resurrection is to the gospel, and it is to your life and mine. And so that is what we're turning our attention to this morning. And the outline for this sermon is actually very simple. I have just one point, and that is the indispensability of faith. And underneath that are four subpoints. That is the resurrection, that's preaching and faith and sin, and seeing how all of these things lend itself to the relationship between faith and resurrection, and how faith is indispensable, or faith in the resurrection is indispensable to the Christian life. So then, let's turn our attention to the Word of God, and let's begin by focusing on the resurrection. Again, verse 12 says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Sort of an interesting logic to Paul's argument here in the passage. So, there are some Christians in the church in Corinth who, are, who seem to be questioning the resurrection. Maybe not so much the resurrection of Jesus, but, resurrect, but the resurrection of all others, the resurrection in general. But Paul goes on to say, well then, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Now you might expect for Paul to say, well, if Christ has not been raised then there is no resurrection at all to expect coming after the resurrection of Christ. That's what you might expect, but instead, 
he sort of begins with the carriage. Right, because normally the horse is the one that leads the carriage, not the carriage that leads the horse, but he begins sort of with the carriage. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then that means that Christ has not been raised from the dead. What Paul is trying to do is helping us to see the intricate relationship between the resurrection of Christ and our resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20, It says in the word, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. So you see, Christ, it says, is the first fruits of those who will be resurrected. So Christ is the first one. Colossians 1.18 says that Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then what exactly is Christ the preeminent of? Acts 26.22 To this day, I have had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he will proclaim light to both our people and to the Gentiles. So even the Old Testament, Moses and the prophets proclaimed that Christ would suffer and that Christ would rise, but that's a point for another time. But the point is that Christ is the first to rise from the dead. If no one else rises after Christ, then what exactly is he the first of? That passage would instead read that Jesus being the only to rise from the dead. But that is not what it says. It says that he is the first to rise from the dead. This relationship between the resurrection of Christ and our resurrection is why in Matthew 27, it tells us that upon the resurrection of Jesus, that many of those saints who had died also came up out of the graves. They didn't rise first and then Jesus, or they did not rise without the resurrection of Jesus. No, Christ rose and then they rose. They're both connected so that if the dead are not raised from the dead, and not even Christ is raised from the dead. I wonder if you've ever thought about the implications of a resurrection-less gospel. I mean, the, the implications are absolutely catastrophic. I mean, just to name a few, if Christ is not risen from the dead, then that means that we do not have a high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses interceding for us in the heavens. If Christ is not raised from the dead, then there is no Holy Spirit who abides in us, right? The Scriptures teaches us that Christ rises from the dead, ascends into heaven, and only then can the Spirit of God descend to dwell upon believers. But if Christ had not risen, then that means he has not ascended. And if he has not ascended, then the Holy Spirit has not descended, the one who is the comforter, the one who is your helper, the one is the one who is the guide into all truth. 
And if Christ had not risen from the dead, then that also means that there is no church in the biblical sense of the word. The dead, that is, the dead in Christ, do not rise from the dead, and it means that Christ himself never rose from the dead. Because you cannot have one without the other. They're like two sides of the same coin. And if Christ is not raised from the dead, as the Word of God says, then we, of all people on the planet, should be the most pitied. In studying this passage, I came across a story of an old lady who had been a Christian for most of her life, and she was one day in her home, one evening, listening to the radio, flipping through different programs. She comes across a program where there is a, a guy who is a skeptic, who is questioning the validity of Christianity, who presents these arguments in his mind proving that God does not exist. She's listening to this program, she's listening to this skeptic, and she actually comes to believe what this man says. And she ends up taking her life. Why would she do that? Because if the resurrection, because the faith in the gospel requires faith and the resurrection of Jesus. And if Christ isn't resurrected from the dead, then what is the point of faith? This lady had realized she had spent many years of a life believing what she thought was something false. And at that moment, she lost all meaning of her life and she saw no point in continuing to live. It's like a game of Jenga. You're familiar with the game of Jenga, I hope. Where if you remove the wrong piece, the entire tower comes crumbling down because you've removed the piece that carries a lot or most of the weight. Removing the resurrection brings toppling down everything else that stands on top of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. If we lose the resurrection, we lose the meaning of all of our lives. We'd be gathering together each week for nothing. Right, but that is not the case. Right, the Word of God is trying to show us that, the, that there is a relationship between our resurrection and the resurrection, resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave, that this is absolutely vital to the Christian life. You and I must believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ because this is our only hope. This is where our hope rests. Our hope is not only in this life, but our hope is also in the life to come. The resurrection is not just something that happened in the past, but it is an ever-present reality. Every single day, not that we are being resurrected every day, but that the resurrection governs every single day of our lives. It is what gives us a new perspective. It's what gives us a new trajectory in life that we didn't have before when our life was apart from Christ. Maybe for you this morning, faith might seem futile as you wait, as you struggle, as you suffer. You might wonder, what is the point of faith? What is the point of my faith in this moment as I suffer, as I wait, as I'm longing? But the resurrection reminds you that faith 
isn't futile. As long as faith continues to put its trust in the promises of God. Faith is trusting God when the doors close, when the answer is no. Faith is trusting God when you come to find out you have a terminal illness, when there's a loss of a loved one. Faith is trusting God when things don't go the way that you want or expect. Faith is trusting God when you come down with COVID. My encouragement, my exhortation to you, if you're in a time when you are struggling because things are not going the way that you expect, if you are one of those who are battling sickness right now, my encouragement, my exhortation to you is to not let this go to waste. Don't let it go to waste. Don't waste this trial. Don't waste this sickness. I understand, right, because I've been there. It's just a a tendency to just let the time go by. All you want to do, perhaps, is just watch television, entertain yourself just to get through the day because this time is just too trying and it's too difficult. You're just too weak to do anything else but fix your eyes on a screen. I get it. And sometimes that's probably the only thing that you can do and should do. But I would still encourage you to go to the Lord. Go to his word. Go to the Lord in prayer. Even if all that you have the capacity for is just two minutes to be in the word in prayer, don't waste those two minutes. Those are two minutes worth your time. Seek encouragement through the word. Seek encouragement as you pray to the Lord. Find a sermon to listen or to watch even just to receive just a nugget of encouragement just to get you through another day, just to remind you that you have a living and active God who is with you in the midst of the trial. When you trust God and remember the resurrection, you remember that your hope is not in this life only, but more so in the one to come, and that is life with God. You might be crushed, but not defeated. You might be weary, but not debilitated. You might be suffering, but not despairing. Because faith in the resurrection reminds you that if God was able to raise his son from the dead, then he can do the lesser work of sustaining you and strengthening you day by day, even in this moment, even in the midst of trial, even in the midst of of debilitating sickness. Because Christ is, in fact, risen from the dead, you have an indestructible hope because that indestructible hope is grounded in in an indestructible Savior that even death could not hold. So faith And the resurrection is absolutely essential. Apart from the resurrection, then there is everything has lost all meaning, including preaching. Verse 14 And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Right? What would be the point of preaching? What would be the point of evangelism if Christ had not been raised from the dead? 
eternal life is not just about living forever, but more so it is about living forever with God. And that is the hope of the gospel. Right? It is the resurrection that gives power to the gospel message, that gives power to evangelism, that gives power to the preaching of the word of God. But without that gospel, then there is no hope. And then what would be the hope, or what would be the point of preaching if there is no hope? All of Paul's suffering and everything that he gave up on account of the gospel would have been for nothing. Things that you have endured in your life on account of the gospel would have been for nothing apart from the resurrection, apart from the hope of the gospel embedded in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Romans 10.11, it tells us, For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in Jesus will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? The gospel message is a message of the Son of God who came down into the world to save lost sinners to save you and I, who are unrighteous, who are guilty, who offended God by our very sins, who are under the judgment and the wrath of God. Jesus, the Son of God, came into the world, lived a sinless life, went to the cross at the hands of sinners, was crucified to that cross, buried in the tomb, and was raised from the dead three days later. And anyone now who believes in the gospel message will not perish, but will have what? Everlasting life. They will live forever. They're forgiven of their sins. They are declared righteous. They are justified. They are adopted as sons and daughters of God. The resurrection gives power to the gospel message because the resurrection is what gives us hope. Without the hope of the resurrection, then unbelievers have no reason to believe, much less give their lives to Christ. The preaching of the gospel without faith in a real, physical, bodily resurrection, at the end of the day, it's just a really nice story that may or may not motivate you to live a better life. Without the resurrection, there is no preaching. There is no evangelism. Preaching would just be lecturing. For it is faith in the resurrection that gives substance to preaching because every preaching of the Word of God, every sermon should be intended to prepare the saints for eternal life with God. But if there is no eternal life with God, then again, what is the point of preaching? Some of you, I'm sure, are familiar with Tony Robbins. He's a self-help guru who has helped millions of people worldwide, encouraging them, teaching them, helping them to live better lives, to live the best version of themselves, to strive to do more, strive to be better, to 
acquire all that they desire. There's one particular man who credited his multi-billion dollar success to Tony Robbins. One day, this particular man, along with a few others, were vacationing with Tony Robbins, and Tony Robbins took these individuals uh, uh, on a a ride one evening, and he stopped on a bridge, and he says, hey, why don't we just, there's a lake below, and it wasn't a very long distance, but quite a distance, at least to get you a little bit apprehensive, but he says, hey, let's all go for a swim, let's just jump off this bridge and go for a swim. So he jumps in, they all follow suit, whatever, they swim for a little bit while, they have fun, they get out, they, they, they drive back, and Tony Robbins tells them, do you guys know that there were actually poisonous snakes in that lake that we jumped into? And that then turned into sort of a motivational lecture or speech about conquering your fears, not letting fear be an obstacle in your way, and taking risks, and so on and so forth. If it were me, I probably would have punched the guy in the face to have me jump into a lake full of poisonous snakes that I didn't know about. But then fool, I guess I'd be the fool for following a guy blindly into a lake. But the point is, without the resurrection, our hope is only in this life. And our hope, if our hope is only in this life, then you might as well be listening to Tony Robbins and just living your best life now seeking to be the best version of yourself because nothing comes after this. Everything else is meaningless. And if anything else is meaningless, then might as well to try to live the best life that you can right now and acquire all that you desire, be the best version of yourself by your own efforts because at the end of the day, there's nothing to look forward to after this life. You know, there's something in common between Tony Robbins in the gospel, you might be surprised to know. The thing that they share in common is that they're both about self-help. But the gospel is not about helping ourselves improve in order to become the best version of ourselves. But no, the gospel is about helping ourselves by running to Jesus Christ in order that we may become what God wants us to be. The gospel is about helping ourselves live the best version of ourselves by dying to ourselves. Taking up a cross daily and following Jesus to the very end of our lives because the best version of yourself that God sees for you is for you to become like Christ. And the more that you become like Christ, the more that you are becoming the best version of yourself. until you ultimately are perfected in the image of Christ when you see Jesus face to face. Because the resurrection is a present reality and faith in the resurrection gives us hope, we must continue to share the gospel. We must continue to put our faith in this gospel. Is what gives us hope. It is the hope of the world. There are many people in the world right now, you probably know some of them, who are absolutely terrified of COVID. Absolutely terrified. I mean, I know people, I have family members, that even though they're vaccinated, other than work, they'll almost never get out of the house. 
There are people who will not see their friends, who will not even see family members because they are absolutely terrified of COVID. And if your hope is in this life only, then yeah, you probably should be terrified. But when you have your hope outside of this world, when you have your hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ, a hope in the resurrection, then you have nothing to fear. You don't have to be afraid of man. You don't have to be afraid of a sickness or a pandemic. You don't have to be terrified. Because your hope goes beyond this world. Your hope is in a resurrected Messiah. Your hope is in a resurrected Savior. This is why we share the gospel. Share the gospel because it is a message of hope. This hope that this world needs. An eternal hope, abiding hope, indestructible hope only comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we must proclaimed this message because this, there's a lot more terrifying things than COVID. There's the absolute terror of living eternity without God. Living in a place that the scriptures describe as the place of utter darkness and gnashing of teeth. And that is why we share the gospel message that people will not live in fear because we know that there is something greater to fear. So we must preach the gospel. We must share the message of hope so that people will believe in the gospel message, put their faith and hope in the resurrected Messiah so that they will one day be resurrected and live together with God in Christ. It is the resurrection that gives substance to preaching and evangelism. And thirdly, without the resurrection, well, then faith itself is meaningless. If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is in vain. I mean, what would be the point of faith apart from the resurrection of Christ? The word vain here means empty. Faith would be empty. It's like having a glass of water with no water in it. You believe that there's water in it, and the person next to you says, listen, there's no water in it. I'm looking at it, there's no water in it. I'm trying to drink out of it, there's no water in it. I put my hand in it, there's no water in it. You're still believing that there's water in the glass. Faith in the gospel, faith in a resurrectionless gospel, is like believing in an empty glass. It's believing in nothing. Apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we would only be believing in a dead Christ. Jesus tells us in his word to abide in his love. But if he is not risen, then we would simply be abiding in a dead man. Jesus tells us to abide in his love by following his commandments. But what would be the motivation to obey and the one who is calling us to obey remains buried in the ground. If Christ has said that he is the way and the truth and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him, 
and he was nailed to the cross and died on the cross and stayed buried in the tomb, then that means that the way is shut. There is no way to the Father. Without the resurrection of Christ, our faith then would only be a crutch for us to lean on, a baseless hope in times of suffering, a fickle means of encouragement in times of discouragement. The resurrection, faith in the resurrection is absolutely essential. Right? We must believe in the resurrection. We must place our hope in the resurrection. Because the faith that has saved us unto eternal life is the same faith that will continue to sustain us each day. John 6.38, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes on him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That is the will of God, and the will of God is the will of the Son, and the will of the Son for your life and mine is to raise us up on the last day. And He can promise us us that. He can guarantee that to us because He Himself was resurrected. So we can be encouraged. One commentator by the name of David Pryor He says that faith is not created, sustained, or increased by looking at ourselves or at others, but only by absorbing the reality and the implications of the resurrection of Jesus. While, yes, we look to others, we are encouraged by the words of others, by the prayers of others. We're encouraged when people share scriptures with us to help us to endure, to persevere. But ultimately, we don't look at them. We don't behold them much less do we look at and behold ourselves. No, we look and behold and we fix our eyes, our gaze upon the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And when we absorb the reality that Jesus Christ is in fact risen from the dead, our faith is sustained and increased. So do you find your faith struggling today? Do you find your faith weak? Do you find yourself just exhausted? Take heart, dear saint, because Jesus says that he will never lose you. You are in the Savior's hand. And that is the best place to be. Keep trusting in Jesus, keep putting your faith in the risen Lord, no matter how little that faith may be today, because that little faith Jesus will use to carry you and to sustain you. We shall look to the cross and find the strength of our faith and hands, not because Jesus is still crucified to that cross, but because Jesus is no longer crucified on that cross. We shall look to the tomb of Jesus and find in that tomb 
this endless wellspring of encouragement, not because the body of Jesus is still laid in it, but because the tomb is empty. Jesus has, in fact, risen from the dead. You can look to the empty cross. You can look to the empty tomb. You can look to the risen Savior and renew your faith in Jesus Christ. We don't put our trust in anything else. Much less do we put our trust in medicine and in vaccines. Now hear me, I'm not, say, I'm not trying to say that I'm anti-vaccine. I'm not talking about whether or not you should get the COVID vaccine. My point is that we should not put our trust in vaccines as if that is our hope, as if that is the answer to all things. Because you know what? I hate to break it to you. But there will be other diseases. There will be other pandemics. There will be other tragedies. There will be more suffering. The Bible warns us of these things. And that is why our hope has to be on something beyond this world. That is why our Faith has to be in a person, not just any person, but the person of Jesus, the risen Savior, the one who is living and active and abiding today in your life and mine. Do whatever you have to do. Right? Protect yourself, guard yourself, keep yourself well, keep yourself healthy, as long as you do not put your trust and man-made methods. Because there's no salvation in those things. Salvation only comes through the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection, the Word tells us, lastly, that we would still be in our sins. Verse 17 And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Faith requires us to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. But if he had not risen, then we believe in nothing. Our faith is empty. If we do not believe in the resurrection, or if we believe in everything else but the resurrection, then we are still in our sins. Several weeks ago, we took, at faith, we took a look at faith according to the book of Romans, and we learned this important word in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that word was propitiation, a word that means to appease or satisfy wrath. We saw how the book of Romans teaches us that Jesus made propitiation for us. He satisfied the anger and the wrath of God towards our sins by dying on the cross, taking the punishment of our sins upon himself so that all those who believe in Jesus and give their lives to following him will be spared of the judgment of God and receive the righteousness of God. But without the resurrection, that propitiation would have been incomplete 
Romans 4.23, it says, But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for Abraham's sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Jesus delivered up for our trespasses, nailed to a cross, to absorb upon himself the trespasses of our sins the consequences for those trespasses, and was raised for our justification. In other words, there is no justification without the resurrection. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave, the death of Christ would simply be a grand apology to God without accomplishing any reconciliation. Without the resurrection, Jesus would still be submerged under the waters of the wrath of God. Without the resurrection of Jesus, we would still be submerged under the waters of the wrath of God. No hope for us, no hope for the world. But what we saw when we took a look at the book of Romans was that Jesus did, in fact, acquire for us righteousness, that he is our propitiation, that through him we do have righteousness, which is what we most desperately needed. In Romans 8.3, it tells us, For what God has done, what the law, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Romans 8.33, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Take heart, dear saint, because there is no condemnation for you today. Because Christ went to the cross and died for you and more than that was raised from the dead. Not even the devil himself can condemn you before the, the before the the, the tribunal, the, the judgment room of God. No one can condemn you because Christ has been raised for your justification. So the encouragement for us then today is to no longer live as if Christ never rose from the dead. Let us no longer continue to live in sin. Let us no longer live as those who were once still under the condemnation of the wrath of God because of our sins. Let us put aside every weight of sin. Let us turn away from sin. Let us repent of our sins and let us turn to Jesus. Let us continue to follow Jesus. Let us continue to put our faith and trust and hope in the resurrected Savior. And even if you should still sin, because we all still do sin at times, but even when you sin, you can take heart in knowing that there's no condemnation. You've been spared of the judgment of God. You are set free from sin. You have newness of life today. And you might ask, well, why do I still struggle with sin today? It's because the righteousness of Jesus Christ has yet to be perfected in your life. You're still living in a world of sin and temptation, 
You're still living in a flesh that is given to sin and temptation. You are not yet what God intends you to be. But by continuing to believe in the gospel and the hope of the resurrection and the resurrected Savior, you come closer and closer to having that righteousness communicated to your life and applied to your life. You might still ask, well, what is the difference? If I, if I sin today, what is the difference between sinning now and sinning back then before my life in Christ? Well, the difference is that today, right now, right, your desire is to live a Christ-like life. Your desire is for more holiness. Your intent is to have more holiness in your life. And even today, your response, which is different than before, your response today to sin is to confess your sins to the Lord and trust in His forgiveness. Because of the newness of life that you have through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, your desire, your intent, and your response are very different than it was before. When it comes to sin also, the Scriptures, specifically the New Testament, has a lot to say about unity in the church, striving for unity, maintaining unity, pursuing unity. And that's in part because disunity is sin. And right now we're living in times, right now we are going through a situation that really could lend itself to disunity. As people are sick, as people are confirmed to have COVID, it's easy to point fingers. It's easy to say, we shouldn't have done this. We shouldn't have done that. This person shouldn't have been there. This, I should not have been there. Maybe we should close our door for the rest of the year and not open them again until the summer, which we will not do. It's easy to allow something like this to cause us to be disunited. But I have been so encouraged over this past week, about how united the church has been. Even as people are sick and are ill and cannot get out and are quarantining and just don't have the strength to do things, it's been encouraging just to see how, how others are stepping up and encouraging others, praying for others, running errands for others, picking up groceries, providing meals for others. I mean, this, this is the body of Christ at work. This is unity at work. And that's been incredibly encouraging to see. And that is one way that we do not allow this present situation to be wasted. Instead of allowing it to cause us to be disunited, we're actually using this situation to bring us to further unity. Right? And this is what faith and a gospel that has the hope of the resurrection does in the life of the church. That no matter what it experiences, no matter what the church experiences, no matter what the church goes through, it actually serves to strengthen the love and the unity of the church when the church continues to abide in the resurrected Messiah. It continues to put their hope, not just in this life, but in the one to come, 
guaranteed to us through the risen Savior. Now let me just conclude with this. You are familiar with the story of Lazarus in John 11. In that particular event, we learn at least two different things. We learn, first, that Jesus has the power over life and death. Secondly, we also learn that if Jesus has that kind of power to raise a dead man back to life, then Jesus can also raise himself back to life, which he does. And even elsewhere in the New Testament, it also tells us that God raised Jesus from the dead, and even the Holy Spirit also raised Jesus from the dead. In John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus, speaking with Martha, the sister of Lazarus, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And that is the question. Do you believe this? Later on, Jesus tells the confused and perhaps even the doubting Martha, did I not tell you that if you believed that you would see the glory of God? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave is absolutely essential for the gospel It's absolutely essential for your life and my life every single day. And without the resurrection, as I said before, we lose out on a lot of things. Lose out on eternal life, lose out on resurrection itself, lose out, there's no Messiah interceding for us, there's no church. The implications are absolutely catastrophic. And so it is absolutely necessary that Christ is risen from the dead. But I would argue that the most compelling reason for the resurrection, even above our own good, the most compelling reason for why the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave was absolutely necessary is because it is for the glory of God. This is what Jesus promised Martha would see if she would believe. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? The Gospel of John, we see, we read about how Jesus was pursuing his own glory, how he even prays that God give him glory, how Jesus prays for the glory of God, and how Jesus even pursues God's glory, and how even God pursues the glory of Jesus, and how God pursues his own glory in the life of Jesus. It is absolutely necessary, it was absolutely necessary that Jesus rise from the dead for the glory of himself and the glory of God. For apart from the resurrection, what glory would there be? What glory would there be in a Savior who came into the world and died and stayed dead? No, Jesus had to rise from the dead for the glory of God. It takes faith to believe that God is so zealous for his own glory that he must raise his son from the dead. And if Jesus rose from the dead, those who follow him in faith with their lives, even unto the day that they die, they also will follow Jesus out of the grave and into everlasting life with God to the glory of God. God. 
God rose Jesus, or raised Jesus from the dead for the glory of Jesus and for the glory of God. And he guarantees now that we also will be resurrected from the dead to live forever with God and Christ. For the glory of God and Christ. So may we believe in that, may we put our hope in that, may we continue to put our faith and trust in the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the grave. And we continue to put our faith in our own future resurrection. May this give us hope and confidence. May this give us strength today and every day. Let us look to the empty cross. Let us look to the empty tomb and fix our eyes upon the risen Savior. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning who are sick, for those who are in the midst of trial, for those who might find their faith weak. Lord, strengthen them this morning. Help them to renew their faith in the resurrected Christ that they would remember that they are no longer in sin, that they will remember in the power of the gospel message, a power that comes from the resurrection, that they would be reminded that their faith isn't futile, that their faith isn't empty, that they would be reminded of our future resurrection, Lord, strengthen their faith today. Encourage them. Help them to pursue you, to seek you, even in the times of weakness. Lord, take us through this trial. May we, as a church, continue to give you glory. May we continue to strive for unity. May we continue to grow in our love for Christ and love for one another. Take us through this, Lord. Bring us together again soon, all to your glory. We trust you, Lord Jesus, for these things. We thank you that we have a risen Savior who is not only in heaven interceding for us, but is even with us right now in this moment, living in us and sustaining us and strengthening us in ways that we may not even be aware of, in ways that we probably cannot ever comprehend. We thank you, Jesus. And it is in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.